right. It's Wednesday night, and uh, we teach a lot of things that upsets the world here at Grace and Truth Ministries. Like my T-shirt, I was wearing this today, and Mary said, won't you wear that tonight? One time I said, Mary, I was talking to Mary, and somebody wrote to me and said, you talk to the Virgin Mary? No, Mary is my wife's name, so if you hear me say that, I was talking to her, not the Virgin Mary. <laughs> Besides that, Mary wasn't a perennial virgin, uh, even though the Catholics say that. I got on this shirt that says, Christmas is Roman Catholicism. I'm not a Roman Catholic. That's the truth. On the back it says, it was against the law to celebrate Christmas 300 years ago in America. No matter whether you believe it or not, it was. I'll just tell you real quick, like, I'm just kind of revealing some of the things that we teach here. We don't believe in Christmas. It's against the law. Christmas is Christ's Mass. It was shortened to Christmas. The Mass is Roman Catholicism. It's cannibalism. It's eating the body of Jesus. I went through that Sunday morning, what it actually means. It means to partake of the body, which is the church doesn't mean to chew on somebody's flesh. Now, we don't believe in Christmas. We don't believe in Easter. We don't believe in Halloween. We don't believe in Valentine's. And we don't believe in Mardi Gras. Believe it or not, they're all one and the same in the ancient world in different cultures. They're all, Mardi Gras is the same thing as Christmas. Don't have time to go into that. Just what it is. And then and the reason they were they outlawed Christmas is because the Puritans before they came here, they were families in Europe. They were the Albigans family, the Waldens family, and many others, and they were slaughtered by the Roman Catholic Church during the Inquisition. There were about five to six forms of the Inquisition the Spanish Inquisition, the Portuguese Inquisition. This is where the Catholics went out into villages and tortured people and killed them. And these same families got together, came to America, said, we'll outlaw Christmas and anything that has to do with papal uh, worship, which is Roman Catholicism. So they outlawed it. It was repealed some years later, but most of the Baptists or the, most of the people in America would have nothing to do with it other than a certain few people until nearly 1900. Now, we don't believe in tongues either. We don't believe in Pentecostal tongues. There's two words for tongue, dialectos. and glossa. These are the two words. Every time you find tongue in the Bible, they had a different dialect of the Greek language in every city-state. The dialects would differ as much as Spanish and Italian in our day and time. And when they said, how here we ever man our own tongue when we were born, they said, how, in, how here we ever man in our own dialect where we were born. These are Jews from every nation under heaven. They're given the laws of God where they had to come back to Israel right there for the, four, for the three feasts, Pentecost, uh, Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Ingathering in the seventh month, 
and that was coupled with the Day of Atonement. Well, when Jesus was nailed to the cross, all that was blotted out, and we'll talk about nailing it to the cross. So, glossa, we get our word glossary. A glossary of a book is a section of a difficult book, usually especially in medicine, they will put a glossary in it to explain the difficult words in it. Glossary means foreign language. That's what glossa means. I don't have time to go on that. We don't believe in that. We don't believe the Pentecostals have any idea. We do not believe in faith healing. I thought faith could heal you. Every time the Bible says, every time. How do you know, Jim? Well, you could take, you can look at one time that the word whole in the word sozo, which is the word saved, and every time the Bible says, Thy faith has made thee whole, the word whole is the word saved. Faith saves, it doesn't heal anybody. And proof of that is, it amazes me that these Pentecostals and Charismatic don't get a hold of that because all of their faith healers are dying. Kenneth. Uh, not Kenneth Copeland, he will die. But uh, Oral Roberts died of pneumonia. Now, why was that? Why didn't he call Jesse Duplantis into Healy or Benny Hinn? And uh, what's his name? Uh, Kenneth Hagin died of heart disease. Paul Christ died of heart disease. Jan Christ died of heart disease. It's funny when they get to be 70, 80, 90, they can't be healed anymore. Well, it's just not what it says. You see, your faith saves you. We don't believe in slain in the Spirit. That's the goofiest thing I've ever seen. Slain in the Spirit, to slay somebody means to kill them. Slay. To kill. The Bible says in the sixth chapter of John, the Spirit quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. Quicken, Z-O-O-P-O-I-E-O, -O -E means to make zoo alive. Go to a zoo and see living animals. We don't believe in slain in the spirit. We don't believe in raising our hands up in the air and trying to praise God. The Bible says God is not worshipped with men's hands. In that 17th chapter of Acts, what about lifting holy hands up to the Lord? Well, it says, without wrath and doubting. That's not raising your hands into the air. That's raising your hands to go do the work of God without orge and logizomai. And I, I can go into explaining all of that. It has nothing to do with what they're doing. I don't believe in Pentecostalism because there's too much lies in it. Don't even believe in the Baptist accept Christ. Don't believe in that at all. Do you have to accept Christ in order to be a believer? Well, you do, but not till you're born again. Accept Christ is not the method of salvation. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 2.14, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, their foolishness to him. Natural, P-S-U-C-H-I-K-O-S, P-S-U-C-H-I-K-O-S. Sukikos would be our word physical. It means the the sensual man, the man that can see, hear, taste, touch, feel, the sensual man does not decomide, E-C-H-O-M-I. That's the word 
receive, and deck is the word ten, deck, a decade is ten years, decalogue means ten commandments, decalogue, that means deck logos, deck logos means ten, logos, ten words of God, ten commandments. Decomai means to reach out the ten fingers and accept an offer that's been given. The Bible says dead men can't do that. Do you accept Christ? Well, yeah. When? After you're born again by the will of God, not by your will. We're born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of men, but of God's will. John 1, 13. We believe in predestination. Predestination has a meaning. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. The first time that was quoted to me, I was 21 years old. I'm 79 now, and I have never forgotten that. That turned my world upside down. Boy, I just, a guy quoted that to me at a church in Fort Worth, Texas, and he turned around and walked away and said, that's the truth. You don't have to believe it. And he walked off, and I went, whoa, wait a minute, stop. And I had to chase after him. I didn't catch him. He had to go somewhere. I don't even know his name. I wish I did. He changed my world with Romans 8.29. We believe in predestination, but it has a meaning. I'll put it up here quickly, and then I'm going to get to the subject tonight. We're going to talk about baptized tonight. We believe you have to be baptized to be saved, but not water. For whom he did foreknow, for whom? Now, whom is the word hoos? There's a diacritical mark. It's got an H sound. It's a breathing sound. Not what God foreknew. Did he know what? Well, yes. Why would he know what? Because he's planned everything. God has declared the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, if you're living right here, and from ancient times, everything that's not yet done in your life till you're dead, he's declared the death. It's appointed unto man once to die. Apokimi. Apokimi means to lay out a time. Everybody here has got a date with death, and you won't live a minute past that. One second past it, or one die one second before you're going to live till you die and it's appointed already we believe that god's appointed everything the bible says whatsoever god doeth ecclesiastes three fourteen. i know that whatsoever god doeth it shall be forever the word forever o-w-l-a-m does not mean from now on this word forever means it olam means it always has been and it always will be in the mind of God from forever to forever. So he's done everything. And it says nothing can be put to it. Put to it. Yasaf. Y-A-C-A-P-H. Nor anything taken from it. Gara is the Hebrew word. Gara means to shave off. Not one thing that God has done it from forever can be shaved off. Nothing can be added to the will of God. His will has been done in his mind. Why do you think that he knows 
all about prophecy and what's going to happen. Is prophecy something that might happen or is it something that absolutely will happen? Something that will happen because God's written it down. How many prophecy messages have I preached here and people don't understand it's because God wrote it down before the foundation of the world. We believe in predestination. We believe in the election of God. But we predestined to something. Whom he did foreknow. Prognosco. P-R-O-G-I-N-O-S-K-O. Prognosco comes from pro. That's our prefix pre. Means before. For whom he did foreknow. The people he foreknew. This is a people. It's masculine. Gender singular. How do you know that? I look everything up in my guides, my word guides, my parsing guides, my analytical lexicons. I look them up. If I'm preaching something, you can believe I looked it up. Have people come up front to me once in a while. They'll say, look where what says Mr. Edersheim said. He said what you said. I'd say, well, where do you think I got it? I got it from him. Wonderful great scholar back in the 1800s. So whom he foreknew? Foreknow. Gnosko, before, G-I-N-O-S-K-O. Gnosko means to know intimately. God had a family that he knew intimately before the world began. He said so. The ones that he foreknew, he's predestined, prohorizo. Prohorizo is the word. Take predestination and throw it out the window. It's not the word. That's an English word. Prohorizo, every time, six times, you have the word predestinate in the New Testament, in the original text. You've got it before the world began in one verse. You've got, you've got it over in Romans, excuse me, Ephesians 1 and 4, 5, Ephesians 1 and 11, when the scripture says, he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy. He's chosen us to be holy. And without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children, we've been preordained to be adopted into the family of God. Adoption is the word huiothosia, H-U-I-O-T-H-E-S-I-A. That's the word adopted. No matter whether people like it or not, that's it. It makes me want to cry to people. Why do you not believe the Greek? The New Testament is written in Greek. And this is the word. We have it right here in an interlinear Bible. You want one? I'll help you to find one where you can, you can order one. Huothosia, adopted. Huios. Tithome. When you find this word tithome, it always means to place or lay out. Place Huios sons. So the one that adopts us, he places us as sons. We don't place ourselves as sons in the kingdom with our will. We have no will to come in. There's none righteous, not one. There's none that understandeth, and there is none that seeketh after God. Nobody seeks God. We're all sinners, dead in our sin. How can a dead man make himself come alive? How? You can't bring yourself alive when you're dead, can you? When you're dead to Christ, you have to be made alive in Christ. 
And the word quicken, zumpael, means to make alive. Well, you got verse 11 of Ephesians 1. We have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Inheritance, kleronomia, K-L-E-R-O-N-O-M-I-A. Of course, this is a construction of the word nomos and kleros. This means a legal, nomos is the word law. It means a lawful inheritance. or a lawful portion. You cannot have a lawful portion of anything unless you are a son and you have to be put there by God. You can't be put yourself into heaven by your free will. You have no free will. You have a self-will to sin, and that's it. That's what the Bible teaches. This used to be Baptist doctrine 150 years ago, but they don't believe this anymore. None of them believe it. Oh, well, you do. Huh? Are you a Baptist? Yeah. All right, well, I'm going to say some things you may not believe here in a minute. I believe it, though. Huh? I believe in what you're saying, though. Well, if they believed it, they'd be preaching. Well, I'm not typically on their side. I'm just independent Baptist. How about that? Well, yeah, I can tell you about the independent Baptist. My father was an independent Baptist preacher. I can tell you when they started. They started... In the 1920s, J. Frank Norris in Fort Worth started the First Baptist Church because the independent Baptists, there were certain ones that still believed in predestination and the Southern Baptists quit preaching it, so they broke away from them. When they broke away, Dr. Norris started the independent Baptist Church and he opened the First Baptist Church in Fort Worth. His head of his seminary was one of my dear friends. His name was Roy Kemp. I used to go to Dr. Kemp's house just to talk to him. I was raised an independent Baptist. I knew those guys like the back of my hand. I know who they are. I know them all over Texas. I knew them. What happened, they split. They split from the Southern Baptist. Then the independents started going free will, most of them. They split again in the 1950s, and a great majority of them went to Springfield, Missouri and started what they call the Baptist Bible College, the one that Dr. Narr started in, in Fort Worth. They moved it to Arlington, called it the Bible Baptist Seminary. And the preachers there were like Dr. Kemp, George Norris, the son of J. Frank Norris. You had, uh, uh, you had several big, well-known independent Baptists. You couldn't go to that seminary without believing predestination. Then the independents split again, and they ended up, that's mostly free will, in Springfield. And then the John R. Rice bunch came off of the Springfield people. And the Chattanooga, Tennessee Temple came off of that. I know all about these guys. And a lot of them supposed to believe in predestination. And they quit. They just wouldn't do it. So I've had to learn. If I want the truth, I've got to stand up here and say it myself. And I started as a class in my house back in uh, 1989, and it grew into a ministry. Now we're on TV in about 250 towns and cities. I know the independent Baptists. 
probably better than most anybody around. And I know about their history and where they started. So anyway, my father didn't preach this. My father was an independent Baptist preacher, and I've been to 50, 100 fellowship meetings from the Thanksgiving fellowships, and you recognize all of what I'm saying because I have them all the time. I had to start this ministry here to be able to preach predestination from the pulpit and not cut any slack. I will cut no slack for my wife, my kids, my son back there on the back row. I will cut no slack for anyone. We don't believe in Christmas. It's paganism, totally. The Baptists didn't celebrate it 150 years ago. Had nothing to do with it. The most famous Baptist in the 1800s was Charles Spurgeon. He said Christmas was a lump of wickedness, and it is. It always has been. It always will. It has nothing to do with the birthday of Jesus. What a reindeers and and uh, and snowman and frosty the snowman have to do with, do with Jesus forgiving sins? Nothing. And I will say that loud and clear. Now, what else do we not believe? We don't believe in water baptism. This is what I've been teaching on. Huh? I can't hear you. Wipe my mouth. I'm taking some medication. My mouth gets sticky. Anyway, we're predestined not to be in heaven. We're predestined to conform. Whom he did for? No, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image, icon. Icon, it's our word, I-C-O-N. An icon of the presidency would be John Kennedy. Uh, representation, Eisenhower, Roosevelt, and the guys we got today. So this means likeness. If you are predestined, you're not just predestined to get into heaven. You have to be conformed sumorphos. Sumarphos means to be shaped, morphe, in fellowship. If you're really going to understand the truth, you've got to be in fellowship with people who are hearing the truth. And I will not back up on anything I'm saying to any preacher in the world. Now, one of the hardest things we don't believe in, we don't believe in the Lord's Supper that they do in these churches. It's not what the Bible is teaching. We do believe in a spiritual Passover. That's what they're teaching there. All right. One more time. I don't know why I got on this tonight. Just we need to know the whole truth. Go back to Matthew twenty six. Matthew twenty six you got to look at what they were eating. They weren't eating crackers and drinking grape juice. God says in his judgments, I change not there in Malachi, the third chapter. I change not. Change is the word shana. It means to mutate or duplicate. That's very interesting. And he's talking about his judgments. Passover was a judgment of God. It was the 10th plague in the 12th chapter of Exodus. 
10th chapter of Exodus. And this is the last, not the 10th chapter, the 12th chapter. It was the 10th plague in the 12th chapter. In the 12th chapter. And it was the death of the firstborn. It was God's judgment. Death of firstborn of Egypt that didn't have the blood, which is the baptism, on the doorpost of the house. On the, didn't have the blood. Now, that's where baptism really got started there. If you didn't have the blood of the lamb without blemish, you'll find that in the 12th chapter. And with the blood splattered, the death angel would pass over. That's where we get the word Passover. When I say the blood, I'll pass over you. And I, we have to have the blood upon our hearts. We must be baptized to go to heaven. But baptized does not mean to dip in water or to sprinkle water. I've said that already. You have two words, baptizo and bapto. It really bothered me years ago when I'd look up and bapto. I would look at these in my concordance 30 years ago, and I couldn't understand why it would say to cover on baptizo, and bapto would say to stain or to die. I thought, why isn't somebody doing something with that? Why isn't somebody saying something about staining and dying? Never heard any preacher mention it. Baptize was not a verb implying motion. I didn't say that. Mr. Strong, producer of the Strong's Concordance in the B volume, look up baptize. He will tell you in his this 12-volume set, the McClinic and Strong Cyclopedia Biblical Theological and Ecclesiastical Literature, he will tell you baptizo was not a verb, not a verb implying motion. Now, maybe you don't remember what a verb is. A verb, you either have being verb, intransitive verbs, that's something that exists, to be, to exist. Be is, am, or was, were, being, been, have, has, had, do, does, did, shall, will, should, would, may, might, must, can, could. I memorized that in the 10th grade in 1954, and I ain't never forgot it. You know how many times I've spewed it out, though? 10,000 times. Then you have action verbs. This is intransitive. And a transit is someone who moves from one place to another. Intransitive. Run. Jump. Uh, throw. These are all action verbs are transitive verbs. A transit is someone who moves from one corner to the other down on Broadway and begs, and it can be somebody that hops around the country, moves from place to place. These are, these right here, anything that shows movement is an action verb or transitive verb. Intransitive, transitive. This is not Baptizo and Babto coupled together, according to Mr. Strong, they were a verbal noun. 
Now, if you don't know what a verbal noun is, you're going to kind of be lost. I know what a verbal noun is. Do you? Those of you that have been coming here know. He'll say that. Mr. Girdlestone will say that. Any number of Greek scholars will tell you that it was a verbal noun. That is called, in the Greek language, an infinitive. An infinitive is a noun. It's not a verb. It's a noun with verbal character. The movement has to be on the fluid being aspersed. I brought up aspersed here last week or so. Aspersed means to sprinkle over. Well, that's what they did on the Ark of the Covenant. On the Ark of the Covenant, when the when the high priest come in, they killed the the at the atonement, day of atonement, they killed the goat. They would come through the Holy of Holies, come into it through the that eight inch thick veil, they believe it is about that. Sprinkled the Ark of the Covenant. Our hearts are sprinkled. Now that's true baptism. It is not water. I never heard a preacher say that. And you got the definition all over these Greek books. Mr. Bounce will tell you. Why is it these Greek authorities will tell you this and preachers won't deal with it? Because the Baptists, the Church of Christ, and everybody who dips people in water sprinkles water, the Methodists that sprinkle water, they're all going to have to change their practice. An infinitive means there is a, an aspersion of the water. What are we elected to? 1 Peter 1 and 2. We elected to obedience, but in order to obey God, you have to die. And then it says you're elected to obedience and the sprinkling of blood. And the Bible says, we enter into a new and living way. There's only one way into heaven. That is the narrow way. Narrow is the word thalibo. We enter into the holy of holies. Hebrews 10.22. We enter into the holy of holies through the veil that is to say his flesh and our hearts are sprinkled instead of the Ark of the Covenant. Now our hearts are sprinkled because everything that was a ritual in the Old Testament is nailed to the cross with Christ. What in the world does that mean? Guys, people don't seem to know. I've never heard a preacher even quote Colossians 2.14, much less explain it. Blotting out the handwriting of orders, which was contrary to us, took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. What does that mean? Nobody cares, do they? They don't care whether this is in Mr. Girdlestone, Robert Becker Girdlestone, one of the great minds of Greek. In the last 300 years, Robert Baker Girdlestone, 
got a great, he's got some great books. He's got one called Synonyms of the Old Testament. Brilliant scholar. He will tell you when the scholars got to the word baptized, they didn't know what to do with it. When they got to the word baptized, they went, what are we going to do with this? It stifled them. Half of them were Roman Catholics and half of them were Calvinist. We talk about a knockdown drag out for six years. They had one. They were about to kill each other. That one great, brilliant Greek scholar, they wouldn't let come on the committee to translate because he knew too much. So, Mr. Girdlestone said they took the word baptize, baptizo, and they anglicized it. But what does that mean? If you look in, in the Strong's, McClinic and Strong, He'll tell you they anglicize the word. It means turn it into an English word. They anglicize. The Church of England was called the Anglican Church. What that means is they took the word baptizo, which was an infinitive in their language. An infinitive in the English can be a verb or a noun, not in the Greek. It is only a verbal noun. That's all. If you run across some English teachers, let's say it couldn't be a verb in the, in the English, not in the Greek. I'm sorry. So they took this noun with verbal character where the fluid has to come upon you, and they turned it into a verb in English and just translated it baptized. And they just ignored that word to stain. Forget it. That's what you'll see in your Strong's Exhaustive Concordance if you look it up. Do people care? Do preachers care? No, they don't care. I just know what we've done in our church for so long. We ain't going to change it. If you're going to dip in water, you're not going to have any dying in your life. A blood baptism, you can look at, at uh, oh, I've got several of my books up here it will have in it, that a blood baptism, you can look up, you can look up baptize, go to the end of the article, and it'll say blood baptism in McClinic and Strong. And it will say, blood baptism means to, means to die a death. Well, if a blood baptism means that, what are you going to do with it? I believe that's part of the apostasy we're in is the mistranslation of words. Apostasy, falling away. The day of the Lord will not come except there come a A-P-O-S-T-A-S-I-S. That's the word falling away. In 2 Thessalonians 2 and 3, A-P-O, S-T-A-S-I-S. Apostasis means the removal of stasis or standing upright. And from stasis, we get the word staros, 
which is the word cross. There has been a removal of the daily cross from the pulpits of America. I don't hear anybody talking about dying daily. Do you? Jesus said, if any man will... Baptism is a daily death. We're supposed to be dying daily. Do you know that everything that's associated in the Bible with the Christian has to do with baptism, has to do with dying daily? Anywhere you see something that's talking about death to self. Death to self. Self-denial. Daily Cross. That's dying, isn't it? But you have to know what a cross is for. What is a cross for? How do you get one? How do you get a cross? It's not a cross to be out here working three jobs and you're trying to pay your bills. That's not a cross. That means you've taken on more than you can handle. That means you're into self. I'm going to work three jobs so I buy this car down here and that's my daily cross. No, it's not. You had to be condemned to a cross and you couldn't bear a cross in the first century if you're a Roman citizen, first of all. You had to be a criminal or a slave to be on a cross. Jesus was condemned as a criminal for breaking the law of God by the Pharisees who were really breaking the law. You had to be condemned to a cross. If we're going to bear a cross, we're going to have to die daily. That's a blood baptism. I, I can't do this in one lesson. Y'all know that. I, how long have I been on this subject on Wednesday night? Probably two, three months. We haven't exhausted it by any means. Jesus said... And if you'll notice, every word in this verse, Luke 9.23, one of my favorite verses in all the Scripture, this has to do with baptism. Luke 9.23, If any man after me, after me, the word if is not in the text. Forget that. It's not there. Any man after me, Jesus said, let him deny himself. Isn't that death to self? Wouldn't that be a blood baptism? Deny self. Take up your cross. Oh, we already figured out that you have to be condemned to a cross. You know what you're going to be condemned for? Telling people that baptism is not water, it's blood. You can be condemned for that. Two things in the Bible have caused more problem over the millennia than anything else. That's water baptism and the so-called Lord's Supper. Now what the Roman Catholics are doing are not the same thing the Baptists or the Church of Christ are doing. Church of Christ says you've got to partake of the Lord's Supper in a Church of Christ administered by a Church of Christ preacher or you're going to hell. And you've got to be dipped in water by a church Christ preacher. The Baptists say, well, this is an, inward, an outward experience uh, uh, with a, according to an inward work of God. No, the Bible doesn't say that either. 
I've preached on that. I've told you what it was for. It was so that Jesus could be identified into the kingdom of God. If you were from some other nation and you wanted to be a member of the kingdom of God, which is a term for Israel, Jesus was their king, or God was their king in the Old Testament. There in Hoboys, the 13th chapter, 1 Samuel, the 12th chapter. The Bible says, Jesus, uh, the Lord told Samuel, you wanted a king to reign over you when God was your king. Well, they don't have two kings. Jesus was the king of the Jews, so that Jesus was the God of the Old Testament. The Bible says so. He said he was the God of the Old Testament. He said, before Abraham was, I am. I am the I am God. And they're... Well, the Pharisees went ballistic on him. They didn't, they didn't have any ballistic missiles back then, but they did. They went crazy to pick up stones and stone. You're calling yourself God will kill you for that. And they wanted to. He got away from them, walked through the crowd. His time wasn't yet. So he said, if anyone comes after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Follow me. Deny, A-P-A-R-N-E-O-M-A-I. Aparneomai is a form of apo, meaning a complete or total. Arneomai is the common word deny. It means to contradict. You have to completely contradict self. The fact that the fact that apo is on there totally differs from the NIV. The NIV Bible says let him deny himself, but when you go to their interlinear, it just says arneomai. That can mean one time. Up arneomai means constant. You have to constantly deny, but there's more to that. Arneomai, take and follow are all imperative moods. How can I find that out? Well, first of all, you've got to look at, a, at an interlinear Bible, find out the word, and then go into an analytical lexicon, look the word up, and it'll say IMP, imperative. That means it's a command. Is that something? I had a fellow call me from California. See, that command could be denied by us. No, it can't. If you follow Christ, you have to deny this is an imperative mood that come from Jesus. If he was the same God that was in the beginning, in the beginning was God, and the Word was God, and the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by him, by God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was the God in the beginning. When he said, let there be light, light didn't say, well, I don't know if I want to be or not. Give me an invitation. Sing just as I am about 50 times and I'll see you. And then go back to almost persuading and say that. God's not inviting anyone. He's, he's commanding his sheep to follow me. Take is the word A-I-R-O. By the way, that is also an imperative command. And I love the word follow. That's about my favorite word in this verse. Akulatheo, A-K-O-U, L-O-T-H-E-O, A-K-O-U-L-A-T-H-E-O. Akulatheo is the word follow. 
This is all death to self. This is all a blood baptism. Follow is the word akulatho. It's an imperative command. That's not a choice. No choice at all. Follow means to be in the same way with. What way is there into heaven? There's two ways. One is a broad way that leads to destruction. Broadway destruction and many go on the Broadway. Most people are going to hell when they die and straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life and only a few will find this narrow way. Few. Oligos, a puny number. Did you know that if everyone in America was a believer, that would be 325 million people? And that's less than 5% of the world's population. Do you believe everybody in America is a believer? I don't believe that. I believe hardly any is. There's most people who don't have the guts to go out here in public and take a stand for Christ. It's hard enough for the people here, isn't it? I go out and witness somebody every day I live. If I run into anybody, I'm going to say something to them. But that's death to self. And the narrow way, the word narrow is that word... Well, straight is an awful good word. Stenos. And now is the word Thalibo. T-H-L-I-B-O. That is the verb form of Thalipsis. And every time you find the word tribulation in the New Testament, it's the word Thalipsis. So the true baptism... Tribulation. The true baptism is the tribulation way. When Paul was stoned and left for dead outside of Lister, he said, we must through much tribulation to lips us enter the kingdom of God. Because that's required. That's the narrow way. And that's been in the same way with Christ. And as an imperative command on it, you're commanded to do it if you're a believer. You have to somewhere start dying daily. Didn't Paul say, I die, baby? Is that fun? Can I assure anybody here that that's fun? Well, let me put it this way. I've been studying the Bible for 63 years. I'll be 80 come May. It's not as hard for me as it will be for you when you start. But the longer you witness, the more these words you learn, and the more you use them, you get to where you got... A thousand Greek words that you command, they're not going to know what you're talking about when you give them the definition. That happens. I'm in the doctor's office all the time with all my ailments. I've got plenty of them. Enough for all the church here. We can spread them out and everybody can take one. And I've been studying a long time. Started when I was 17. 
1956. I started trying to read. I didn't know what I was doing. I got lost as a goose in the Bible. My father, being an old country preacher that reads the same five or six verses every every service, or quotes the same five or six verses, and you know what it reminds me of? The manna told him, turning moldy the next day if they took too much manna. And I never heard what things meant. People say, you shouldn't say that about your father. Yes, I should. If I wouldn't cut my father's slack, what makes you think I'm going to cut Billy Graham's slack? He preached to accept Christ, sinner's prayer for salvation. The Bible says that's not true. We're in the apostasy. Billy Graham was a poor excuse for a preacher of God. Did you ever hear about him being persecuted? Did you ever hear about the world hating him? Jesus said, if the world hated me, it'll hate you. If it persecuted me, it'll persecute you. He said, if you love the world, the world would hate you. Therefore, the world, he said, the world hates you. If you love the world, the world would love you. Therefore, the world hates you. You're supposed to be hated for telling people the truth. You tell most people that predestination is true, and they'll get mad at you and stomp away or argue. I tell people the truth, and I say, well, if you don't want it, then don't take it. They'll say, well, I don't believe that. I say, okay, excuse me, bye. We get in their heads. We're, we're not out there to witness to people to save them. We're not we're out there doing that. The Baptists I was raised around, those independents would put your arm up behind your back, twist real tight, and say, repeat after me, dear Lord, save me, save me for Jesus' sake, amen. The Bible says we know who God heareth, not sinners. A man has to be a worshiper of God, doing his will before he hears him. Yeah, but the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But the next verse says you can't call when you're not a believer. How then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? Will you call on the name of the Lord after he causes you to believe him? Will you accept Christ after he births you and makes you alive? You'll start accepting everything he says. You'll be ashamed because you can't do it all. Is anybody ever ashamed because they can't do it all? <laughs> Thank you, Shorty. She's always ready to raise her hand. <laughs> you can't do this overnight. If you, if you know your subject and you're a teacher in school, you've, Sue's known a lot of probably brilliant people. She's been in principals of school and you've known some that really know their stuff, haven't you? And they're not afraid of nobody, are they? If they know their stuff, if you know your biology and somebody says something, you say, that's not right. If somebody says something in public, I said, that's not what the Bible said. And if they don't want to hear it, I say, okay, see you around. Walk away. You can't make people believe. There are sheep and there are goats. The sheep will hear. The goats will never hear. They're not supposed to hear. Jesus told the Pharisees, you will not believe because you're not of my sheep. Get away from me. He wasn't trying to get them to pray a sinner's prayer to accept Christ. It's you're not mine. Your father's the devil. Go away. We're not supposed to be trying to get anybody to believe. I don't go out and try to force anything on anybody. I don't try to witness to them. I simply 
give them some Greek words and tell them some truth. I tell them, the swastika is the reason for the season. They go, what? Did you know that? And it is. <coughs> but most people, when you say that, they're going to, what are you, a Nazi? No. The swastika is the Big Dipper. It was the clock of the year to the pagans. You want to know about that? Come ask me after church. I ain't going to tell you now. What are priests doing? So these are imperative commands. If you belong to God, you'll get in the tribulation way. But the way it will happen, you'll start telling the truth about baptism and so forth. Now, I got some things to say about baptism that I haven't said. I've said some of them. Now, let me, in the Old Testament, the thing that's equal to baptism is our hearts. Now, the heart was the place of understanding. That's what the Jews said. It was a place of understanding. What a blood baptism is, it's death. If there's one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, it can't be water. But I thought Jesus was washing what it was. They had something called a proselyte baptism. This was invented by, well, it was actually created by God. The Pharisees stole it away, and when they were taken captive in, they were taken captive over in uh, Babylon, they started the synagogue in Babylon. Here's Israel over here. Israel. You get over here in Iraq, that's ancient Babylon. And here. When they got carried away to Babylon, southern Judah there in that in that thirty sixth chapter of Second Chronicles and the and the twenty fifth chapter of Second Kings, they were carried over here and they started the started Babylonian synagogue. The synagogue is corrupt. And when they started the synagogue, comes from Sun and Ago. It means to lead together or to assemble together. And they, the rabbis, meaning master, rabbis of the synagogue, I should say rabbin, that's plural, rabbin, but since you don't understand rabbin, we'll just call them rabbis. The rabbin of the, of the synagogue, they translated the Old Testament over into the Babylonian Aramaic language. And they said they had to come up with a way for people to understand, so they had their own interpreters called them a thurgeman. And they would translate, and they set up what they called a verbal law. And that was called the Halakha. And they had a written commentary, the Haggadah, 
And they said this Haggadah could not be spoken aloud, and the verbal law could only be passed from one rabbi to the next verbally, this halakha, and it couldn't be written down. That's crazy. And you can look up this under Talmud in your McLennan Strong. It'll tell you all about the Haggadah and Halakha. Plus, you can look it up in a bunch of my other books. And they inserted their opinion about what was written in the law, written in Hebrew. What they did is they put their spin on it. And one of the things they did, they took the brazen sea in front of the tabernacle here. Here's the the altar, the brazen altar, had the Ark of the Covenant here, had the uh, table of showbread, the altar of incense, and the candlesticks. This is all the furniture. These were gold. These were brass, or some say copper. And they translated into this language. And one of the things they inserted was the baptism. And they said that if you be circumcised, and washed in water, and offered two turtle doves, or two young pigeons, that you could become into Israel and become a member, you could be a member of the kingdom of God, which was a term for Israel. Israel. You can look up kingdom of God and they'll tell you that in the McLennick and Strong. They'll tell you that from any number of sources. And that was a term for the kingdom of God. So when Jesus was in preaching around, they hated him with a passion. He was correcting the Pharisees right and left on their halakha. I never heard a preacher even preach that. And you can't understand Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John if you don't know where he was correcting them. You can find out by reading the books that I recommend on it. You got the compendia, the the uh, history of the sages. The sages were the wise men of the Babylonian synagogue, except they weren't very wise. And since Jesus was raised in the land of Zebulun in a town called Nazareth, but he was born down here in Bethlehem. But the Pharisees didn't know that, and he wasn't going to tell them. Well, he had to be circumcised. That was a part of the law. All that wasn't blotted out yet. He, his mother offered two turtle doves in the book of Luke right after his birth, after she was cleansed. Washing in water is what they inserted out of this brazen sea. And they said this would qualify you to become a member of Israel. Jesus went to John and said, let's fulfill all righteousness. Let's fulfill the righteousness of the Pharisees, they'll have to listen to me. In their law call, they said if you'd go through this, they themselves had to listen to you. And John said in John the first chapter, therefore am I come baptizing in water that Christ might be made manifest to Israel. It wasn't so that we can follow in that footstep. It's not it. 
preachers all over America dipping people and sprinkling them with water. Sprinkling is probably the best because the Ark of the Covenant was sprinkled with the blood of the goat. Amazing to me. And there's all these verses that are confusing to people. Now, you got these other words, katalage. Anytime you find the word baptizo means to cover, bapto, and it'll tell you these two words were incorporated to come up with the word baptize, which was a verb. And that's just not right. Even Mr. Girlstone said they didn't know what to do with it, so he turned it to a verb. This has the same meaning. Baptism means to cover. Babto means to stain as, so as to die. To stain and to die has the exact same meaning as the word atonement. Kafar. Kafar with kofur. The Lord told Noah, build an ark of gopher wood and pitch the ark within and without with pitch. The first word pitch is a verb. How do you know that? I look it up. It's a verb. Cover. Confirmings to stain and to die. Kafar is the common word atonement. It is also the common word reconciliation. Reconciliation in the New Testament is translated in that fifth chapter of Romans. Nogi Romans. Now this is the only place it's translated atonement. Right here. In Romans 5 and verse 11. Romans 5. It's the only place it's translated atonement. And I'm going to get into something else on this. How much time do I have? Or do you know? Jesse? Jess? See if he's back there. I need to know how much time I've got. All right. Now let's look at this over here. Let's look at this. Chapter 5 of... Chapter 5 of Romans, verse 8. But God commendeth his love, his agape, that's walking in the commandments of God, 
toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us when we weren't even believers. He didn't die for everybody. He died for his wife, the church, and gave himself for her in in, in Ephesians 5.25. He only died for his family. He didn't die for everybody. He didn't die for the man in hell. The man in hell is dying for his own sin. What do you mean he's dying for his own sin? Remember the word death, thanos or thanatos, does not mean annihilation. Death means separation. That rich man in hell is dying forever, being separated from God forever for his sin. Means separation. Now, much more than being now justified by his blood, because we're sprinkled with his blood. That's a spiritual understanding. We shall be saved from wrath through him. We're saved from ourselves. That word wrath is the word orgay. O R G E. The orgay is the is the wrath of covetous, a covetous man who wants to get angry and, and wants to take everything out on people, to anger at people all the time. Death to self or the true baptism, you won't get over that without the, without the blood baptism. It's not God pouring blood literally upon you. It's him sprinkling our hearts with his blood. Our understanding, death to our understanding, his understanding in us has to come alive. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. Now this word reconciled to God is the word katalase, K-A-T-A-L-L-A-S-S-O, A-T-A-L-L-A-S-S-O. Now that's the verb form. The noun form of this word is katalage, K-A-T-A-L-L-A-G-E. Katalage, that's the noun. So when you have one, you have the other. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, katalase, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received atonement, katalage. Atonement is this word katalage, a reconciliation. And whenever you find the word reconciliation in the Old Testament, it is usually nearly always the word kafar, to stain and dye the Ark of the Covenant. Well, our hearts are sprinkled. When our hearts are sprinkled, our understanding dies. And we get a new understanding, spiritual understanding. When you look at this word reconciled, it means restoration. To restore something means to take it back, 
to its original condition. What does that mean? That we belong to God before we died and we ended up in our sin before we were in new birth? Yes, that's exactly what it means. It means when you belong to God, He owned you from the foundation of the world. He has owned you from forever to forever. You can't get away from God. Let me go to a verse that's one of my favorite verses on this. Go to Galatians, the fourth chapter. Did we belong to God when we were born again? Well, we did, but we belonged to Him a long time before that. He had chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world. I like Second Thessalonians 2.13. We are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God from the beginning hath chosen you to salvation. How? He has chosen. Eklegomai. Chosen us from the beginning through sanctification of the Spirit. And belief of the truth. You have to be a believer before you will start witnessing to people and tell them the truth about Christmas, tell them the truth about baptism, tell them the truth about predestination, you have to be believing. Remember, belief is the same word as faith. Faith is merely the verb. And Excuse me. Faith is the noun. Somebody should call my hand on that. Faith is the noun. And faith is being baptized in the blood. P-I-S-T-I-S. -I That's faith. Believe is the word P-I-S-T. Notice that's the stem right there. That's the form of the word that don't change. P-I-S-T-I-S. Pistis is the word believe. Faith is the same thing as baptized in the blood of Christ. Let me show you one more time. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is... What if I said faith equals substance? Substance is the word hupo stasis. Hupo means under. It means sub. A submarine is means under the marine or under the water. Stasis means to stand. Remember from stasis we get the word staros, which is the word cross. To stand means to sub means hypostasis means to under understand is what it means. That's what hypostasis means. Understand. 
But there's none that understandeth. There's none that seeks after God. Nobody seeks God. No one. Anywhere. Anytime. You've never sought God. If none seeks God, how are we going to be born again? He has to chase down his family. He said, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. You will come. You will humble yourself. And you will deny self and take your cross and die daily somewhere in your life. You may say, Jim, I don't want to do that. Well, that's too bad. If you belong to God, you have to listen to his imperative commands. And if you understand, you are a disciple. What do you mean by that? Disciple is the word mathetes. Mathetes means a learner. It comes from the word math. When you, had, when you are a math student, I taught a message last week on algebra baptism. Use two axioms from algebra. Well, a learner is a mathetuo, one who learns. That's a disciple. And Jesus said, He that beareth not his cross and followeth after me cannot be my disciple. Luke fourteen twenty seven. Cannot be my learner. It takes a cross to be a learner. What are you going to crucify? Self, your own desires, your own opinions, your own feelings. You're going to go with the truth regardless of the cost. It don't matter whether your mother, your wife, your sister, your brother, or anybody likes it. You're going to say, I'm going to stand for the truth. I've come to that place. I'm at a place at my age I have never been in my life. I wasn't here at this place when I was 55, and we'd had this ministry going for about six years at that point. I, wouldn't, I really wasn't at the place I am now when I was 65. I'm in a place I don't really care whether anybody likes what I'm saying or not. I just don't care. Don't mean I'm being abusive or cutting and abrasive. You know what I care about? Whether the will of God is being done. Mary came to me last night. She said, I'm getting, well, I don't care about anything. She said, all this sickness just been tearing up. She said, I don't care about having another car. I don't care about going on a vacation. She said, I hope this is what God does to you. It's what he does to you, though, you get. I drive an 18-year-old car out there. I'll be 19 years old here very shortly. I don't care. You know the only reason you buy a new car? So everybody say, boy, you sure do have a nice car. But if you say, let me tell you about baptism and Christmas and predestination, you tell them that, they won't say, I hate you for saying that, but I like your car. <laughs> Will they? They don't like your car when you tell them these truths. So what's the use in impressing them? That's the way I look at everything. I, I don't really care for anybody. And I know enough Greek and I know enough Bible. I spent my life in it. I have about a thousand answers for every word they got to say. They can hear it or not hear it, and I don't care, and I walk away. And if they see me on TV, they go, you're that guy on TV? Uh, 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 uh. 
It's like, you're going to get us. No, I'm not going to get you. I'm not even going to try to get you. So, faith is sub equal substance, understanding. Understanding equals learning. Learning equals a daily cross. So, and a daily cross is death to self. And a daily cross is a blood baptism. And that's what saves us. The Bible says, Baptism doth also now save us. Is it talking about water? No. You can't, I've heard my Baptist preacher associates say when I was young, well, it's talking about, it's talking about what it says. Let's go over there to, back to First Peter. It's funny to me how my father and his friends, they could talk about being saved by grace through faith, but they never understood that it was a daily cross. We're saved not by works, but it is God that works in you to willing to do of his good pleasure. And he's going to, and he works in us. We're saved not by works, but we're saved by working faith. And we will change when we're dying to the flesh. He says here, I love this. I know what to say to people now. Huh. Speaking of the Gentiles, which sometime were disobedient, verse 20. When once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved, it does not say by water. Not in the interlinear, not in the original text. It says dia, through water. The water was not the salvation. The water was the judgment of God on the people who are outside. What was the baptism saving us? Pitch the ark with any without with pitch. Kafar with coal first stain and diet. You have to understand and study pitch. It was a it was a gluey substance that either come out of fountains in the ground, they're not real sure, or out of trees. But it caulked the boats and kept the water from coming in. Baptism saved those people. Without the caulking, they would have drowned. The water had been coming in everywhere. Does baptism save us? Absolutely. The blood of Christ stains and dyes our lives. It keeps the judgment from coming in on us. And when Peter commanded these 3,000 people at well, he goes on to say, baptism saves us, not to put away the filth of the flesh, but the edge of a good conscience, sunitus, which is the inner man making the outer man vote with him that he has to die. Don't have to go on time to go into that. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ in us, how often do we die? The word resurrection, anastasis, means to come to life after dying. How often do we die? Daily. Paul said that in the 15th chapter. He says it over there in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. We die daily. And we resurrect daily in Christ. How do you do that? Well, you go down here at the store and you talk to people about Christmas and baptism. And, and they say, I don't like that. And then they walk away and the next time they see you, they separate from you. Hey, Jim, I have to go now. I don't have time to talk. And they bring about a spiritual death in your life. 
But you go on down the street and talk to somebody else, and you resurrect again in Christ. Without a spiritual baptism, there's no salvation. When, when they cried out to Peter in Acts 2, Peter preached. And these men said, men and brethren, they were cut to the heart. And they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Did Peter say, go be dipped in water? No, he didn't say that. It's James Dale said this. James Dale's got four books on baptism. I've got them in my library at home. He said, there is no way those Pharisees who ran the government in Jerusalem are going to turn over their waterworks to these apostles to dip 3,000 people in water when they hated them. These were the friends of Jesus. When you get to the third chapter, the Pharisees come around to Peter and John and say, why did you heal this man? We healed him in the name of Jesus. Well, if you go around doing any of this more like what you're doing, we're going to beat you. They hate these guys in the third chapter, and you think they're going to turn over their waterworks to them in the second chapter? No. When Peter commanded them in Acts, the second chapter, Acts 2.38, people say, that's the church of Christ first. No, it's not. They were cut to the heart, and they said, Men and brethren, what should we do? And Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized. You think he's talking about water? No. There's no way he could be talking about water. You know why he can't be talking about water? Because Jesus told them 40 days before, he gave them the great commission, go into all the world, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name. That word in, ice, means to sink into and not come out of. He's talking about being baptized, sinking into the onoma, the name, the authority of God, which is his truth, and that's going to bring about a blood baptism. I do not believe the Great Commission is about dipping people in water. I don't believe that. I don't know why nobody else has ever come up with it. Jesus, John the Baptist says in Matthew the, second, Matthew the third chapter, I baptize with water. That was a proselyte baptism. He said, there comes one after me. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Everyone knew what that meant. That was a common saying. A man named Zeno had invented that around 320 B.C. when he started Stoicism. He said, all the universe that we live in, all these stars was what he called a cosmos an orderly arrangement. He said it was one living, breathing entity. And he said, what gave it life? It's like, I'm a breathing entity. He said, what gave it life was pneuma and purr. Spirit and fire. That's what gave the cosmos life. You mean John the Baptist is going to say, I got this water baptism, and Jesus is going to come. He's going to baptize you with life. And then he comes back from the dead down here in the 28th chapter of Matthew. And he's going to say to them, go to the world, baptize and dip people with John's baptism into water. He's not going to say that. He's got one of his own. Why is he going to tell them that? It's ridiculous, isn't it? I don't know why nobody sees this. I started to say, but me, I don't know why I see it. I was always a, 
a good algebra geometry student. And what I do is I approach everything strictly analytical. If you believe baptized, you're going to believe the original word, aren't you? Baptism with baptism. Kafar with kofar. I, it, I've never heard anybody, and since the Pentecostals got a hold of this, and they say, whoopee, and jump up and down and scream and holler and raise their hands in the air and speak in their jibber-jabbering, and that's all it is, most people think, well, if I talk about being baptized with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's truth, John 14, 15, 16, John 15, 26, John 16, 13, 1 John 5 and 6, the Spirit is the truth. The Spirit, Alethea, truth, means to take the cover off and reveal everything. You know, that's all I'm doing up here. I'm pulling the cover off. I have heard all this stuff. I want to hear it. I don't ever want to hear it. And I'm going to hear it on TV and radio. You ought to ride the road down with me when i got a preacher on. I'm in the car by myself going, no, no, no. Screaming at my own radio. Sometimes I'll be screaming at a preacher on the TV. And Mary said, what are you doing in there? I'm yelling at one of these preachers like they can hear me. If what I'm saying doesn't make any sense, never mind. Does it make any sense? I don't know why people think you have to follow somebody's statement of faith. I didn't study John Calvin until I was nearly 40. I got predestination from one man that walked up to me and quoted Romans 8, 29 by 1961. That's where I got it. And from then on, I was on my way. I didn't study reformers. I'm not a reformer. I'm not trying to reform the Church of England or Catholicism back to truth because it never was true. That's the reason the reformers call themselves reformers. I'm not reforming anything. I'm going to the Greek and the Hebrew and telling you what the words mean. Going to the history, the culture, the customs, the idioms, the metaphors. This is what it means. It don't matter whether anybody likes it or not. There was one preacher in this town. I heard him preach on predestination. And I had seen him on TV, and he was the dullest preacher I'd ever heard. Boring. And I heard him on a tape preach right straight down the line on it. I said, if I ever catch him, he was an independent Baptist preacher. I said, if I catch him in a restroom, a restaurant someday, I'm going to jump his case. And I caught him down here at Cracker Barrel at Rivergate before they built one up here. I saw him go in. I said, Mary, that's him right there. I went in and slid in across the table from him. I just looked him right in the eye. I said, why didn't you tell those people at that big church where you organized and started? You believe predestination. I heard you say it. And he just went, how you doing, Jim? <laughs> he didn't know what to say to me because I jumped his case for not telling the people the truth. It's a big independent Baptist church in this town. I don't like what preachers are doing. We're in the apostasy. The following way is here. And I got much more on this. I, I got all those verses. How that 
were washed in the water by the word. It's the word. The word of God is called living water. That's the only water that has to do with baptism. And they call blood living water. If you really want to know the truth, you got to go to the customs, the culture, the idioms, and the metaphors. What did they mean when they say something? They lived 2,000 years ago. It wasn't the same culture. It wasn't the same thinking. They didn't even think like we think. And we go around preaching a water baptism and Christ's mass and let's get together and give each other gifts. I think that's the craziest thing I've ever seen. And the more I stand the truth, the more I hate the lies. I hate them. I'll say to anybody, you're going to tell your kids that a 4th century Roman Catholic bishop is going to come and climb down their chimney on Christmas Eve? He's a 4th century Roman Catholic bishop, St. Nicholas. Santa Claus, they called him in the Netherlands. And when we got here, they called him Santa Claus, St. Nicholas. I'm just, I'm fed up with the preachers, sick of them. I don't like them. When I talk to somebody, I say, I'm a Bible teacher. Well, I don't know about preachers. I say, I don't know them about either. I don't like them more than you don't like them. I know where they're lying. I'm out of time. Uh, that thing's blinking on and off. <laughs> I guess he's trying to stop me like a stop fight. Let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. Help us, Lord, to get through all this. I pray your coming is soon. Lord, I am really tired. Give me strength to keep going. Give the people here strength to continue. Lord, I believe everything you're doing is your will, and I believe you're doing everything, including the evil. You said you created evil. Thank you for all this. We give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. The end. Until next time. Huh? What? Yeah, boing. We've got to have a boing a big that they had at the end of the movies in the 40s they were boring like that huh need to see what a CD on predestined oh I got so many of those I'll, wait a minute I've got one here that'll just blow your mind there you go I've been fighting with some of these Baptist preachers. But you can't change them. They're, they're not changeable. Won't you come over here and join us? I tried to ask them to tell me what it was. They won't They don't know. They don't have the guts enough to face it. They have no guts. This is my grandson here. Christopher. That's my other grandson. He won't come around. He just stands off. Glad you come. That's a real good. Let me see if I have something else here. I carry DVDs in my pocket and I give them to people. And I give them to Laura.
Wait a minute. Let me give you. Let me see what I got over here. Y'all, excuse me. You can't. You can't change the minds of these free will people. They don't want to change. They're hard nosed. It was Carl Furnsey I called down. Well, they're going to kick you out. They don't like this. I had to start my own, if you want to call it church, I had to start myself. Where'd you get all them other tapes? I had those. Okay. Here's one. Here's one that'll blow their mind. Here you go. Here's some more. Watch all those. I don't like the independent Baptists. They have forsaken what they founded themselves on, the doctrine of predestination. They have forsaken it, walked away from it. John Rice never believed it. 